It's your boy Mo back with another episode of Up in Flames. Once again, I have another special guest, Brian O'Ringer from the Scout with Brian podcast. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Mo. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. So, like I always do when I have a guest, I always give them the floor to tell us what they do and everything like that. So, Brian, the floor is yours. Tell us what you do, what you've done, and things like that. Uh, yeah, so... Brian Oringer, like you said, I worked in the NBA for seven seasons. Uh, I spent six years with the Washington Wizards. Uh, four years of that, I was the head coordinator, traveling with the team. Um, you know, that's the position that Spolstra and Vogel and a lot of coaches started in. So, uh, worked closely with the coaching staff on the game planning, player development, all that good stuff. Um, and then I spent a year as a regional advanced scout for the Hawks and the Raptors. Uh, and now the past couple seasons i've been doing uh my own thing on the media side uh at scout with brian like you said breaking down the game on youtube and podcasts and uh trying to basically bring more of an x's and o's slant uh to the analysis from somebody that's you know been inside a locker room knows how players and coaches think and uh you know tries to understand the game at a, at a pretty high level Wow, you know that's that's really incredible to ultimately be a scout, a former scout, video coordinator, and then you know kind of taking it your own way. So, what was it like? Because you know, Coach Spo, like you said, Coach Spo came from that same area. So, what is it like being like a video coordinator? Like, I guess because the understanding is we see Coach Spo was a video coordinator, and now you know he's one of the best coaches in the game. So, like, how important is it for like the video coordinator? I feel like you have to be like a real basketball mind to be the video coordinator, things like that. So how important is it to a team? It's a, it's a hugely important role. I mean, not to like to, <laughs> to my own horn, but, uh, you know, I tell people it was almost like getting an MBA in basketball. You know, you're just living and breathing basketball 24 hours a day, basically. Uh, like I said, you're in every single coach's meeting. You know, you're in the locker room, uh, pregame, halftime, postgame. You're on the floor for practices. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got to work ultimately for three different head coaches, uh, during my time in DC and, um, you know, some legendary, uh, assistants, Sam Cassell, uh, Ryan Saunders, Roy Rogers, you know, a bunch of, uh, guys that have kind of bounced around the league for a long time. Um, so I definitely learned a tremendous amount from them. And then, you know, being around players like obviously John Wall, Bradley Beal, they had the hall of famer, Paul Pierce for a season was uh, you know, it's an amazing experience. And, and yeah, you know, like you said, it's, uh, you really have to know your stuff. You have to, you know, work almost, uh, 24 hour days for seven months straight with hardly a day off. So it's, uh, it's a pretty intense, uh, all encompassing job, but you know, it was a lot of fun and, uh, and an amazing experience. Yeah. That, that just, that, that's great. So, you know, I don't want to like just continue to ask you so many questions about it, but it is like a feel that just so what was it like working with guys like John Wall, Bradley Bill, like you said, Hall of Famer Paul Pierce. So like what was that like to be able to see those guys up close personal and be around those guys every day? 
yeah, no, I mean, it was a dream come true, you know, especially because uh, I actually grew up, you know, as a fan of the Wizards. I'm from uh, from Maryland, um, you know, and I, I grew up on those Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, Antoine Jameson teams as a, as a fan, you know, watching them every night. Right. Uh, and so I ended up going to the University of Maryland and, you know, working for Gary Williams actually for a couple of years there and then got to intern for the Wizards and became, uh, you know, their full-time video coordinator. Uh, right out of college so yeah you know you're definitely uh you know starstruck a lot of days like just walking around uh you know the office for the video coordinators pretty much in the locker room uh in dc so the players you know pass you every time on the way to the floor you know you obviously develop close relationships with a few of the guys and and yeah they were great i mean you know i tell people that uh i probably had texted john like 500 times during my entire time in dc and you know he, he responds to every single one within like two minutes that's the kind of guy he is you know he's just uh always available really personable you know loves loves the game inside and out he's just a absolute savant watches it all day long uh you know brad same type deal i'll be first in the gym last to leave uh, a little bit you know of a quieter guy but but really again down to earth great kid and you know, not surprising that he's developed into real a real uh, superstar in the league. And, you know, yeah, we had some interesting characters. Uh, when I started there, it was the uh, JaVale McGee, Andre Blotch, Nick Young, uh, teams that didn't take winning quite as seriously. So that was uh, an interesting experience, to say the least. But uh, <laughs> I was able to, you know, stick it out through Mecca Okafor, Nene, Trevor Ariza, Pierce, Sato, you know, we had, we had some good vets, some some so, real solid players, Gortat, uh, Andre Miller, you know, it's kind of amazing, honestly, all the guys that I got to witness and, and be around, so it was, uh, yeah, it was an incredible experience for sure. Yeah, that's that's just it's, just, it's just amazing to really be able to hear somebody and be able to talk to somebody who's been really in the game, um, inside the locker room, see the practices and see these guys habits but you know I, i'm sorry for putting you on the spot so you know I, I'll, I'll move on from that and get into the good stuff the great you know your stuff was great we'll kind of take a step back and we'll get into the nba draft so first things first as everybody knows the nba draft was wednesday it's finalized so brian what was your overall takeaway from the draft um you know i, I think it's uh it's definitely not the best class in the world i think they were obviously hurt uh by not having the benefit of uh you know a tournament and being able to see some guys maybe step up and elevate their stock uh then but you know th there's definitely some some real good players that lamello ultimately was was the top on my board and i think he has uh you know tremendous potential edwards i understand why he was the top pick i definitely have some question marks about him but uh he should theoretically be a pretty good fit in minnesota um i think james wiseman could be like a, a rudy gobert type with uh with more offense so i think golden state uh got a really good player potentially there and you know there's some other intriguing pieces um you know i, I to be honest i i haven't uh i spent so much time watching the nba that my college watching is uh, is a lot more limited so i've really only taken a look at like the top 10 or 12 picks or whatever so far so there might be you know there definitely could be some hidden gems like further down and guys that uh, i want to take more of a look at you know in, definitely in preseason and in the coming weeks uh but you know i, I like ob I, I think the knicks got a good player there um i, I love halliburton from iowa state i think the, the kings 
happened to be ecstatic that he fell to them at 12. So definitely some good talent. Um, but yeah, overall, maybe a, a weaker draft class than, uh, than your average. Right. And a lot of people say that. And then, you know, I understand. So you always put great stuff on Twitter. You know, ever since I followed you, it's been great and kind of got me an interest in looking at because, you know, a guy like you who's been a former scout, video coordinator, you look at the game a lot different, obviously, than your average fan. You're in a more depth eye. So how does that how has that helped you? I know you said you haven't been too big into the guys because you've been so busy in the NBA. But how has that helped you with that using that eye scout any of these guys? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, like, like I said, when, when you spend as much time, like, in the video room, you know, you, you're you're watching three, four NBA games every single day, you know, for, like, the entire year. So, I mean, nobody watches more film. You know, the reason that you have head coaches like Bo and Vogel that we talked about come out of the video room is because, you know, you really just obsess over the game, every single detail, every – X is an O, every tendency, you know, you really learn the game inside and out. So, um, you know, while I wasn't uh, like a, a college scout exactly, that, that wasn't my, my role in the NBA, I, I think I definitely uh, have a pretty good feel, obviously, for the NBA game. And I, I, I think I know pretty well what, what skills translate, you know, what kind of things, uh, you know, are sometimes red flags with guys whose game maybe won't translate as well to the NBA. Um, you know, like I'll give you an example of, uh, a kid I'm not really high on, Onyeko Kanwu um, from USC, just kind of scares me. You know, people throw the the Bam comparison out there, but uh, Bam with the, without passing and dribbling is is not Bam at all to me. Um, and you look at him, he's a six nine guy who I think pretty much uh, doesn't have the shooting or ball skills, like I said, to play the four. So he's going to be a a real undersized five. And you know, again, unless you can. Uh, pass and dribble and do all the unique things that Bam does. Uh, you know, to me, he's just kind of a undersized five that doesn't do anything incredibly well and doesn't have an amazing motor. And, you know, some of those things scare me. So, yeah, I, I haven't done too much of the draft stuff, but like I, I started, I put out some stuff last year. And uh, overall, my record, I think, was pretty good. You know, I was really high on Rui. I was really high on Tyler Hero, uh, who both, you know, had great rookie seasons. I was lower on. Uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, who at times, you know, definitely had up and down rookie seasons. So nobody's going to bat 100. I definitely don't claim to be a, you know, a perfect genius expert. But <laughs> I, I think I have a pretty good feel for the game. And, uh, you know, I, I trust my, my eye test uh, more than, you know, more than your average person on Twitter. Right. I mean, and like, you know, it always reverts back to the fact that was your job. So, you know, you definitely do watch it in a different light. So, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, we hit on the draft. I want to move on from the draft because there's been so much going on in the off season. And, you know, I want to revert back to your Washington Wizards. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of talks of Bradley Beal wants to stay, but his name keeps popping up in trade rumors or, you know, speculation behind what it would take to get Bradley Beal out of Washington for teams. So if you do have any insight or if not, if it's just personal opinion, what do you think about Bradley Beal staying in Washington? Like, is it more likely than not? Or is it very possible that if the right package comes, Washington will move on for Bradley Beal? No, I, I can almost guarantee that they're not going to trade him definitely before the season. The only thing that, that would take Bradley Beal out of D.C. is if, if they get off to, like, a really bad start and he just decides, 
uh, I can't do it here anymore. I can't deal with this losing. I, I need to get myself to contender. But, um, you know, from everything he said, he, he's and he is, and I know him, you know, he's a loyal guy. He, he wants to do it in D.C. He's not a guy that wants to be a, a team hopper and just kind of chase a ring, at, at least at this point in his career. Um, so, you know, he definitely wants to give them a chance and wants to start the season there and, and see how they do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly the talks will heat back up if, say, they, you know, aren't in the playoff picture or, or uh, you know, have some issues to start the year. I, I think John's the more interesting one from a trade perspective right now that, you know, apparently they are or at least did discuss uh, maybe a Westbrook, Westbrook uh, swap there with him. Um, you know, you heard the franchise definitely wasn't thrilled with some of the stuff that's come out uh, from him this offseason. Um, so, you know, it'd be interesting to watch. I, I know, you know, he, he's been in, in D.C. obviously his whole career. He means a lot generally to the city and the fan base. But, uh, you know, you know, patience is wearing thin with him a little bit. And ultimately, if they can trade him and make the team better, in their opinion, I, I think they won't hesitate uh, to do it. So, Definitely some interesting things uh, going on there. Right, yeah, that trade, the trade proposal or the rumor of the trade of John Wall possibly for Russell Westbrook, you know, now that you're saying that there were some things that being unhappy, because at first it didn't make too much sense for me, just because I felt like if John Wall is healthy, you're almost swapping the similar player. I mean, Westbrook may be a little better, be, may be a little bit better at this point, but I just feel like their game is so similar Westbrook is, they're about the same age, but I just felt like their game was so similar, it wouldn't make the Wizards better. Do you agree, or do you think having Westbrook alongside Bradley Beal would be a better combination than a healthy John Wall alongside Bradley Beal? Yeah, I, I definitely think they're they're really similar players, like you said, so it was kind of, you know, head-scratching to hear at first, but the more I thought about it, I, I think the main reasons would be, you know, that, that Westbrook obviously is, is Scott Brooks's guy, you know, he was with him for the start from, you know, the first eight or nine or whatever years of his career. Um, you know, so I think Brooks really uh, adores him as a player and they have a lot of trust together and probably more than he does uh, with John. So I think that's probably a big factor. And then, uh, you know, the other big thing, uh, I agree with you, like I said, that they're pretty similar, but, you know, Russ, you're here already. They're talking about John might have to, sit out back-to-back, so have his minutes monitored, all those things. Uh, you know, Russ theoretically is coming in the healthier guy, and, you know, that's a big deal when you're a team that's trying to at least just make the playoffs, you know, to have a guy that's potentially available for five, ten more games and five, ten more minutes a game. You know, those things add up. Those That could be the difference between, you know, being a nine seed and being a six or seven seed. Um, so I understand why they're – at least thinking about it. Uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, apparently the Rockets wanted like a lot more in terms of assets. I, I, you know, maybe I'd give them like a future first or something, but yeah, I agree. Theoretically that they're pretty similar overall. And uh, I don't think you should have to give uh, a whole lot more, um, you know, to make that trade happen. Right. So speaking of Westbrook, um, his counterpart in Houston, James Harden apparently wants out in, I guess, you know, it's from reports they're saying Philly and Brooklyn are the front runners, but Harden's prefer, preferred destination is Brooklyn. So what do you think about Harden wanting out, and where do you think, I think personally Philly would be a better fit for Harden as far as basketball goes, but, you know, I understand he wants to link back with Kevin Durant. 
I just don't think that's a great basketball fit with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. That's a lot of basketball that needs to go around, and I don't think there's enough minutes in the game to satisfy all three players. But what's your opinion on the whole Harden situation? Yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty wild. I mean, uh, you know, Philly, obviously, Maury would would kill to have him, and, uh, you know, it'd be really interesting there. But, you know, theoretically, they, they'd have to definitely at least trade one of Ben or Joel just to get him there, um, you know. So I think that team is obviously, a, you know, a, a lot worse, or they're going to be, you know, have a pretty big hit to get him, you know, whereas Brooklyn, like you said, you're still going to make him a part of a, big three with Kevin Durant and Kyrie, which is, you know, on paper amazing. But like you said, there is only one basketball. Um, you know, KD's proven that he's he's able to sacrifice in his career. But at the same time, he did kind of come to Brooklyn wanting to be this big two, you know, and not, not have as much of the, uh, oh, I'm just the, you know, third guy, whatever, talk. Uh, so does he want to go back, deal with that again? You know, Kyrie also wanted to, you know, take a step up in, in Boston and be the number one guy. And then he realized maybe he's not the number one guy. And uh, now he's kind of the one, two with KD, you know, can he deal with kind of bumping to number three at times? Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely would be an interesting locker room. You know, you hear some of the whispers that like KD wants it, but Kyrie doesn't. So uh, who knows? Um, I mean, ultimately I think it's sad that it's gotten to this point, you know, because Harden, obviously meant so much to Houston and, and played, you know, overall, at least in the regular season, so incredibly uh, there. And, you know, they uh, they move on from D'Antoni, but then it sounds like they hire Silas without even really consulting <laughs> with anybody, which doesn't make much sense. And, uh, you know, the new owner has a lot of question marks and, um, uh, you know, seems to be a little cheap at times. So, yeah, it's... it's uh, it's a shame, but uh, I think he, you know, would be a really interesting fit, you know, pretty much anywhere he ends up. Right, and that's and that's kind of the biggest thing with the the Harden and Westbrook both wanting out is they did say it wasn't they they felt like they could do better off maybe without each other, but I know they also still friends. But I do know both of them were upset that there was no consulting in them, being that they are the stars of the team. And typically before you hire a head coach, I mean, I'm not 100% sure. I just go by what I hear. But I feel like typically when you make moves inside the organization, maybe not necessarily certain trades unless you're trading for a star. But I feel like when you're about to hire a coach and things like that, you kind of go in and, and talk to the superstar and talk to the stars and, and just see is this the direction you'd be willing to go, especially somebody like Harden who's given so much to Houston. And really without, without Harden in Houston, we don't know how good they would have been with being that gap of like how they were kind of average between, you know, the Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming and not really, they kind of were missing superstars. So is that, is that the case with you being inside of an organization? Do they do, do they go to the star players for consulting and making moves and coach hirings and things like that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think it, you know, probably depends on like, uh, you know, how old the stars are, if they've kind of earned that right. Um, you know, like in DC, for example, when they, when they fired Randy Whitman and ended up hiring Scott Brooks, um, you know, I don't think they consulted John and Brad a whole lot, but I also understood that at the time because, you know, both of them were whatever, 24, 25, 20, whatever, super young players who had, you know, were good NBA players, but definitely hadn't proven themselves in the playoffs or, 
really been able to get over the hump. So, you know, uh, I think sometimes you need accountability and you can't really, uh, you know, let the play. They're always going to probably pick more of a player's coach and guy that uh, isn't quite as tough. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you think Houston, uh, obviously Russ, Harden are both, you know, incredible veterans. They've been there, at least Harden has, for, for such a long time. Um, so you would have you would think at least that he, he earned more of a right to – have some sort of say in it so you know yeah I was I was really surprised I mean Steven Silas you know he's, he's a basketball lifer he seems like at least he's been a, a really good assistant coach nothing against him but he definitely wasn't a hire that jumped off the, the page or anything and then you know if on top of that they didn't really care to check what what uh, Russ and uh, Harden really thought of him uh, yeah I, I think that's a, a poor move on their part um, you know, I'm not surprised that there's been obviously some backlash. Yeah, that is just it's just a surprise because I do feel like Harden, maybe not Westbrook. I understand he's a superstar, but Harden has deserved or earned that right in Houston to be consulted. I think you know, being a top five NBA player and given everything that he's given to Houston, I do think he's earned that right that you consulted him. And if you're thinking about going the rebuild route, you should bring that up to him because obviously they don't want to be a part of the rebuild. Um, Neither one of them have championships right now, and both of them would like a championship. I think they're both first ballot Hall of Famers when their career is all said and done, but I don't think anybody wants to be, or not a lot of people want to be that guy that, like, I don't think Hardy wants to be labeled the guy where he could possibly be the best guy to never win a ring. You know, they, we you got your AI and Chris Paul and Charles Barkley. You have guys like that who are Hall of Famers that don't have their championship ring, so I feel like Harden... Definitely doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild, and he's in a win-now mode. They've come close, but he hasn't even reached the finals since being in OKC, so they've come to the Western Conference Finals, and I will say his run in Houston is a success, but I do think if they are rebuilding, I think they definitely need to get rid of Harden, allow him to get out of there, and possibly ultimately earn a championship, and that's why I think the Philly trade would be the best trade because I think Houston would be able to get Ben Simmons. I think Philly would give up Ben Simmons and let James Harden team up with, you know, Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. And I think that would be a good fit together. I'm not sure about, you know, as far as egos, but I just feel like from a basketball standpoint, those guys would fit together. And if Houston is rebuilding, I think it'll be great to have um, your centerpiece of Ben Simmons and you rebuild around him. So you're not really starting from scratch with having a star. But, you know, it's almost speaking of stars wanting out, Giannis. We know Milwaukee is doing everything to retain Giannis. Uh, they made the trade for Drew Holiday. They tried to make the trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, which ultimately failed because he didn't agree to that. So what do you think about Milwaukee's efforts to keep Giannis? Do you think they're kind of wasting their time? I feel like they gave up a lot for Drew Holiday, but do you think they're wasting their time and he's out anyway? Or is it very possible, does it take a championship to keep Giannis in Milwaukee? Uh, yeah, first of all, I'll, I'll circle back to Giannis in a second, but I, I just wanted to say along the lines of your Harden point, you know, I, I tweeted something too, like, you know, people are giving him crap for, for wanting out, for wanting to go, you know, join a super team or whatever, but uh, we have nobody to blame but ourselves for that because it's like you said, all we do is, is crush him for not getting over the top in Houston and not being able to, to do it in the playoffs, and, and we have this society yeah where, where if you don't win a championship you're like worthless you know so we we crush these guys for 
for not winning a ring, you know, with, with, with mediocre teams, with teams that don't have nearly as much talent kind of as the super teams. And then we're like surprised when they want to go uh, join up and, you know, like KD going to Golden State or, you know, just joining a, a, top, a top team. Uh, we kind of bring this on ourselves because that's, that's what we make it all about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Giannis, uh, you know, it, it's hard to get an exact read on, on what's going on there. But, you know, you heard some of the reports that, that they think he's close to signing uh, the extension even even soon, um, you know, especially if the Bogdanovich deal had gone down. You know, that would have been two pretty huge upgrades to the team. Um, I like Drew Holiday. I, I don't love him, but I think as like a – third guy uh with Giannis and Middleton I think he's uh you know he is a significant upgrade over Bledsoe he's his game's better suited for the playoffs he's you know a lot more capable of making shots uh than Bledsoe is who kind of tends to disappear uh in the playoffs loses confidence a little bit um so yeah you know I think it's a definitely a pretty strong big three and you know if you can add another uh, real fourth star to that. Um, you know, I think you make a really compelling argument for Giannis to stay. Um, you know, I think like Brad, I think he is a, a loyal guy. I think he doesn't want to be perceived as, uh, you know, like we talked about Harden, a guy that's, uh, you know, jumping around for rings or going to Miami to chase a ring or whatever. I, I think he's going to give Milwaukee every, every chance in the world first. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what they do now. Um, instead of Bogdanovich, if that trade really has fallen apart completely, um, you know, and then what he decides ultimately, if he thinks, uh, that team is good enough to win a championship and if he's willing to, uh, you know, give them a, a long-term deal to prove his, uh, his loyalty there. Yeah. So that's definitely, that that's definitely, I like the take on it. I think, so I think Giannis should ultimately sign the extension and it's not necessarily to stay in Milwaukee the long term and I know once he signs that extension he has to stay for two years but I think the money situation like he would take it it would be such a significant pay cut for signing a max contract with another team as opposed to signing Milwaukee seeing what they could do for the next two years so ultimately you are committing to Milwaukee you can't leave for two years anyway so you want to see give Milwaukee a chance give the organization that drafted you where you come up and like you said he's not a ring chaser but to me that money the money difference I know once these guys they have all their endorsements and things like that so sometimes it's not all about the the NBA contract especially a guy like Giannis who is a star superstar you know one of the top two to three players in the league but I do think it's such a significant difference that he should give Milwaukee the chance to let them build around him make a better team and ultimately possibly win a championship and then if, if two, three years from now, he's not satisfied with where they're at because it's not like Giannis is 31, 32 years old. So I do think if two, three years from now, he's not satisfied where he's at, then he's like, okay, it's time for me to move on. I won out. But he doesn't have to act like a disgruntled superstar. He can always, he went about it the right way. I gave Milwaukee a chance. I stayed here. I love this organization. But sometimes, no matter how much you love things, it's time to move on. So I don't think Giannis would be wrong for taking that route. Obviously, Milwaukee fans will probably be upset if Giannis ever wants out, but that's just what happens when you fall in love with a superstar. Do you think he should sign the extension, or do you think he should just wait, hit free agency, and see what who's interested? Because obviously, the whole league will be interested in Giannis. Or would you sign the extension for money purposes and loyalty to Milwaukee? Yeah, I, I kind of hope that he he does do that, and then you know, like you said, it's not 
it's not a commitment that you're a thousand percent staying there forever. You know, it's uh, you could spend another year or two, and then if, if you know things are going south and the supporting cast around you's falling apart, or, or you feel ownership hasn't kept their promise uh, to make upgrades or whatever, you know, then you could ask out or demand out. You know, we obviously are seeing so many players have been able to force their way out of situations uh, through trade. You know, so it's not only free agency, obviously, that uh, as a way to do that. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, like we said, I, I do think he is a loyal guy. To me, it's kind of honestly like LeBron in Cleveland the first time around. Um, you know, I think he's definitely had kind of slightly worse supporting casts, uh, at least the last couple of years. Um, but at the same time, I, I think part of it is on him, you know, kind of like part of it was on LeBron, just not really having a good enough uh, jumper as a, as a real young player in Cleveland. And, you know, he goes to Miami and Obviously, they, you know, build an amazing big three around him, but he also really, really upgraded his game. You know, he really developed his post game. He really developed his shot. Um, and I think Giannis needs to do that, you know, because it was so glaring, especially against Miami. Uh, if you can't make a shot outside of three feet, it's it's really hard to win in the playoffs. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're the superstar, if you're the guy for a team. So I think he still has a lot of growth that he can make in his game. And I think... Uh, you know, obviously he was a little banged up, got a little hurt, you know, maybe uh, wasn't 100% uh, clearly for the whole series. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him improve his own game. You know, Milwaukee improve the roster a little bit. And, you know, let's, yeah, let's see what this team can do. Can this team get over the hump finally at least make make a finals? And, uh, you know, I think they'd have a great chance to, to do that and win a championship. So I, I do hope, you know, not even for the money, not even for anything else, but just for, you know, fans, I think, are getting a little tired of all these guys teaming up with people, always wanting to be, uh, you know, paired with three other superstars or whatever. So I hope, you know, that he's kind of the, the franchise guy in Milwaukee and they get some better pieces around him, but that, uh, you know, that he kind of steps up and is that, you know, absolute superstar in the playoffs who can dominate games and uh, give you 30 a night like like LeBron you know was able to do eventually um, and uh, lead them to, to the promised land yeah and I do think like that's why I'm a fan of I don't want to see any more big threes it was great especially I'm a huge heat fan so I love the big three I like the big three in Boston but I don't want to see these superstars team up like except for these duos because last year I feel like that changed the balance of the league without really having teams that have three superstars or two superstars and an all-star you had a lot of duos which I think kind of went positive for the balance of the league and there were a lot of good teams and you're even starting to see it now like with Phoenix trading for Chris Paul do I think they'll win the championship of course not but it'll just be another interesting tandem of Chris Paul and Devin Booker and another exciting team to continue to watch so that's why I don't really want to see Giannis leave and if he does I mean I'd love to see him in Miami Ultimately, I would love to get Giannis, but you know, maybe he could change the narrative and change players as far as staying and loyalty. You don't have your Kobe Bryant, so your Tim Duncans anymore where, you know, these guys are here and they're committed to the organization and they stay there ultimately their whole career. That's not the thing to do because most guys who end up possibly trying to do that probably will shaft themselves of a championship or two because of loyalty and things like that. So I definitely would like to see Giannis stay in Milwaukee at least allow Milwaukee, give the organization another year or two or another two years to 
give you what you want, build the roster the way. They're obviously showing that they're willing to give up their future for the right now in order to keep Giannis with trading three first round picks for Holiday and the package that they the the package of young guys with giving up Divincenzo that they were willing to give away for Bogdan Bogdanovich. So they already right now are showing a commitment to look Giannis. This is what you want. We would love for you to stay. We want you to stay. We want you here. You know, you are the face of the franchise and we're willing to build around you. So I do want to see Giannis stay in Milwaukee. Um, but Brian, I appreciate your time. I just want to hit one more thing. And I just feel like it's a big thing because a lot of people don't aren't talking about it because there's so many other things to talk about. But I want to bring up the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they're they're kind of they're they're real dead in the water in this free agency right now. You know that it's poss- they're going to lose Rondo. Looks like they'll lose KCP, possibly Dwight Howard. Uh, they made the move for Dennis Schroeder. What is it that the Lakers have to do to ultimately be able to get back to that big stage and repeat as NBA champions? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you're definitely seeing kind of, uh, you know, what Pat Riley calls like the disease of more, right? You win a, you win a championship, and then everybody thinks they're they're entitled to a, a bigger contract or a bigger role or whatever it is, and then that's how uh, championship teams sometimes fall apart. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think uh, Danny Green was uh, obviously pretty bad for most of the playoffs and definitely had a, a lot of his ups and downs over the season, but. I mean, training him is a is a big deal to me, and especially if you lose KCP. I mean, who who are your your wings really? You know, they they were obviously the the starting two three that gave you almost forty minutes a night. Um, you know, and especially if you talk about Avery Bradley, apparently is is out. Um, you know, I, I love I like Schroeder a lot, but at the same time, you know, he's a great player. He's probably better for the regular season, but. Uh, there, there's few backup point guards and few point guards that I'm taking over Rajon Rondo when it comes down to the playoffs, um, just in terms of his his IQ and just brilliant uh, basketball mind. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they trade uh, Kuzma and, and maybe have, uh, you know, maybe there's still some interest in him to get some better better assets. Um, you know, Caruso uh, obviously, you know, seems in line for a bigger role. You saw some of their youth like uh Horton Tucker and uh you know a few of those guys seem like maybe they could uh step into uh to something a little bit bigger but uh yeah right now at least it seems like uh you know all those supporting pieces kind of want uh, a bigger piece of the pie themselves and uh you know I, I heard though that like they say Dwight doesn't really have a market anywhere else isn't going to be able to get a contract I mean I think ultimately he'll probably go back to the Lakers for maybe the minimum, maybe something a little bit above that. So they should be able to keep uh, at least a few of the pieces, but I'm definitely really interested to see, um, you know, what they do from the wing spot in terms of, you know, yeah, Schroeder might be a little upgrade, but I, I honestly probably would have preferred to uh, keep at least the stability of, of Danny Green and, and re-sign Rajon Rondo, you know. Um, so that was a, a big price uh, to give up to, um, even to get a, a pretty good point guard like Schroeder, but uh, we'll see. A lot of lot of off season left, obviously, and uh, Palinka uh, certainly did a pretty good job filling out the roster last season. Um, so we'll see what he does uh, with free agency. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree, and I know it's always tougher once you win a championship. It's always tougher to repeat, and you know, once guys get that championship, they feel like their value goes up. You know, a guy who thinks he's worth ten million dollars. 
a year, wins a championship, and now like he puts his price at 15, especially if he had any piece of winning a championship. So I do trust po that Palenka will get the job done. He showed us he did it last year with actually having stand back and waiting to make see uh, Kawhi make his decision and then scrambling around for pieces because they waited so long to and let some of the guys go, some of their potential suitors that they had their eyes on in free agency. They let those guys get signed elsewhere because they were convinced. I don't know whether Kawhi did it to play them or whatever, but I know they were convinced that Kawhi was going to come to the Lakers. We knew he was going to delay his decision. So that's why I think Kawhi kind of tried to play the Lakers, bounce to the Clippers so then he could go and be the king of L.A. or at least ultimately they the, the Clippers would have the easier path than the Lakers and would be the better team. But, you know, like you said, Rob Palenka did a great job. But, you know, I'm... I'm I'm so glad to talk to you, Brian. I appreciate all your time. Um, so I'm going to give you the floor again. Tell us where we can follow you, um, any projects you have coming up or anything like that. Yeah, no, definitely uh, enjoyed the chat. Appreciate you having me. People can find myself, uh, Scout with Brian, Brian with a Y on, uh, on Twitter, Scout with Brian YouTube channel, and then the Scout with Brian uh, podcast. So pretty much anywhere uh, you type in Scout with Brian, uh, you'll be able to find my stuff. And uh, yeah, I just put out film studies on the uh, on I think the top six picks on Lamelo, Wiseman, Edwards, uh, all those guys. So they can check those out on YouTube. And I'm hoping to uh, do something similar for you know at least the top ten or fifteen guys to kind of dive into their games and see what I think of them. But uh, definitely have some wild stuff coming up with the free agency and. Uh, I got the, the Woj bomb notifications on and excited to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Definitely have the Woj bombs on. You know, like you said, free agency started. But, you know, once again, Brian, I appreciate your time. Um, thank you for coming on as a guest. It was an honor to talk to a guy like you. Uh, definitely a lot of knowledge. Definitely picked up something. And just to be able to talk to a guy that's been in organizations and in and around the league is always an honor. So I do appreciate you. And, guys, like like he said, Anywhere you look for Scout with Brian, you can follow him. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. He puts out great content in depth for any of you real basketball heads who love to watch guys and, and listen to guys break down players, skill sets, uh, plays, however you want to look at it. Follow Scout, uh, follow Brian on Scout with Brian on Twitter. Um, on that note, up in flames.